Stanley Kubrick film, Dr. Strangelove. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. Thank you again for joining me um, on the second half of this podcast. I should have a very special guest, and we'll see how that all shakes out. But actually, I have sat down to record myself talking to myself today because I was on, I've been spending an inordinate amount of time lately poisoning myself with social media, and I'm sure that that's a problem a lot of us have. I think it's important also, though, to recognize when you've been doing it excessively and when things have begun to spin off the rails for yourself intellectually, and you got to take a little break. I like, I love taking breaks from that kind of thing. And whilst poisoning myself with the inane ramblings of strangers from all over the world, I, I've noticed that there continues to be a problem and maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's a natural human inclination that requires a great deal of intellectual energy to overcome. But I've noticed that still, regardless of what evidence is presented to people, everyone is on social media, either romanticizing the past or yearning for the future and really missing the beauty of living right now. And that's what I want to talk about here in the first half of this episode. Let me start by saying that if you live in the Western world, the best time to be alive is almost always right this minute, right now. Because when you romanticize the past, you're almost always ignoring all objective reasoning when you do that. Um, You know, you see people all over social media Make America great again. Oh, things were better for progressives in the 90s. My college experience was the real life Hillman. None of that, none of that is actually accurate if you look back at it. Um, if, If you're romanticizing a time in the past in your life, it's probably because that time predated some sort of trauma or was a time in your life when you were in your prime. Which, which obviously, when you look back on it, first of all, you look back on it with rose-colored glasses. You've omitted massive chunks of that period of your life that were not so great. And you live in the now and you enjoy the exercise of criticizing now. Oh, excuse me. You enjoy the exercise of criticizing now in an effort to denigrate the present. And I think that that's a mistake. Even if, even if you're romanticizing a period in the past that, through which you did not live, you're also romanticizing that period of time based on the idealized version of that period of time you've seen in music or movies or that you've been exposed to through the lies of people who lived through that period who are also romanticizing that particular period of time. If that makes any sense, hopefully it does. Um, but I, but that's that's my concern today 
is not is not living in the now because the other side of that spectrum are people who yearn to live in the future and i don't i i think there is also an abandonment of objective reasoning the future you really want to live you want to live further in the future than right now do you have any idea what's coming down the pipe the future could be the you know the modern collapse of the roman empire the future could be a nuclear w- winter the future could be robot overlords transmitting advertisements directly into your brain in an effort to stimulate commerce and uh, sell products and generate revenue for the at this point just for the sake of doing it right because it's what the computers have been programmed to do is sell you Pepsi. So you just your brain is just pumped with that while while you're also locked into some sort of virtual reality social media where we all fight psychic wars with one another across the world. Because I'm also here to tell you that the when the initial outset of social media, the the idealized version of what we thought the future was going to be with social media is dead. This idea that it was going to bring people together and create a global community of like-minded people, that idea is out the window. We have seen that when you give the talking chimpanzees the ability to talk to one another across the world, it's mostly people trying to mislead people, people trying to wield influence, people trying to adjust the outcome of democratic elections, people accepting beliefs and ideas it's it's basically resulted in the death of objective reasoning uh of and of any any sort of search for objective truth if it can be boiled down into a tweet if it can be uh consumed in a tiny nugget and it feels good and it feels right and it somehow makes you a victim or somehow uh makes someone else your enemy that you're way more likely people in general are way more likely to lean towards that than they are to lean towards having any kind of objective discussion with one another or learning anything you know megan megan phelps roper is an is is an anomaly and for those of you aren't familiar with who she is she was a member of the westboro baptist church and I apologize for using this language, but they were the God, they're the God hates fags people who show up to soldiers funerals and funerals of prominent gay politicians or basically anyone anywhere they can get attention with signs that read God hates fags. Your son is in hell. Uh, we're, you're all going to hell if you don't think like how we think. And she was a member. She was the she's the granddaughter of the founder of that church and actually through Twitter she was in in some ways deprogrammed by some very intellectual people who she had discussions with who really used her own ideology to sort of turn her around and she really began thinking for herself and eventually was able to free herself from that scenario she and that's a beautiful story but it is certainly anomalous it's a it's an outlier it is not the norm normally what you get with social media is I mean, it's asinine. It's almost entirely people clinging to what feels good or clinging to some kind of idealized version of the past that they either didn't live through or are remembering incorrectly, right? Anecdotally, 
when I was like 13 years old, I thought corn and limp biscuit was the bee's knees. Turns out that's not timeless music. Now, some music is timeless. There's a great deal of music that comes from periods I didn't live through that I find to be incredible and emotional and groundbreaking, but I'm capable of enjoying those things without being like, oh man, I really wish I lived in 1965. No, I don't. No, I, I don't wish I lived in a time when medical technology was worse than it is now or when our ability to communicate was limited in the way it was then, right? Or when, the, when even, even the most prominent prevailing scientific ideals were simply sitting on the chopping block to be mm, dissected to remove the ignorance to get to the next level of scientific truth and reality that was on the horizon. You want to live now. You want to, trust me, you want to be alive right now because you don't know what's in the future and you're probably incorrect about what was in the past, even if you were there. So that was, that's my diatribe for the first half of this episode is enjoy, enjoy. Yeah. I don't, I don't like, I don't want to sound like I'm nagging and being mean to people, you know, but this, this romanticizing of the past is part of why we are inundated with all of these sequels and reboots, you know, and there's ad bots on social media going around aggregating people's interest in the past and, and not even their interest in the past in an effort to maybe present things, present stories or, excuse me, pictures of the past in a more objective or historically accurate fashion. It's just people going, you know what I really liked was a home improvement. Let's bring home improvement back, right? And then the reality is you didn't, you really didn't need more of it. Look at, look at Arrested Development. Arrested Development was a phenomenal television program in its first three seasons. It was brilliantly written and scathingly funny and horrendously underappreciated in its time. And Netflix sort of allowed it to experience a rebirth. And then they went back and made another season. And it just wasn't as good because it, it can't hold up to the idealized uh, the uh, the romanticized version of what it became after it was already a standalone work of art, and I think we I think we see that more and more. Look at what happened to Roseanne. They rebooted Roseanne. They brought in some of the funniest people in the world to watch it. And everyone was like, I miss Roseanne. What a phenomenal show. That was great. I used to sit and watch it with my parents on TGIF or whatever Roseanne was on. And it really, you know, warmed my heart and was a big part of my life. But when you bring everybody back and they're 30 years older and you're trying to hammer together a story and trying to be clever, but you're using this ancient, by today's standards, at least this sort of ancient backdrop it, it's going to fall on its face usually. It's usually not, it's usually not viable. But the people who make those things assume based on everyone's love for the past that they'll love things from the past. But it's just not, it's just not quite the case, right? And in, especially when you're talking about art 
or history, there's certainly a difference between trying to garner everyone's attention in that than there is, the, you know, the fact that fashion is cyclical. But let's be honest, you can only make so many kinds of sunglasses. You know, jeans can only come in so many fits with X-sized bell bottoms. You know, when I was in middle school and early in high school, kids, everyone, kid, girls were wearing bell bottoms again. It just, it became a thing again because of the limited range of the ability to clothe a human animal, you know? But th that I don't think is necessarily a symptom of people wanting to live in the past so much as movies, music, television can be when Hollywood just, you know, keeps pumping out these remakes, right? I mean, even in recent history, since I've been an adult, how many Spider-Mans have there been? How many Spider-Mans do you need? I can't count. I don't know. I have no idea. Admittedly, I'm out of the loop on superhero movies, but it just seemed to me every time Spider-Man showed back up, it was some different iteration of the same character. And I'm like, can you really reboot a franchise two years after you rebooted the franchise? Very silly. Very silly. And it's a, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a sad symptom of everyone's desire to live in the past. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the overarching message of the first half of this podcast. Enjoy living now. Enjoy, enjoy living right now. If things aren't going well for you and you have the means by which to improve things, just know that they will get better. And also anxiety over the future is an aspect of not living in the now. And I know I struggle with it all the time. I worry about the future all the time. And it prevents me from enjoying the right now constantly. And it really is, requires a genuine, concerted effort. And if it requires you being a little bit mean to yourself when you're on Twitter going, I wish they'd bring back a different world. That was a great show. First of all, not really. You just thought it was because you watched it in high school and you thought you were going to go to a college like that. And then you got to college and really it was mostly drinking and contracting STDs and the confusion of becoming an adult while also shelling out ungodly sums of money to relearn what you learned in high school and then hopefully maybe learn something else for the vast majority of people. And then it also turns out Hillman College uh, was the brainchild of a monster. And uh, yeah, so stop, so stop doing that. Live in the now. Enjoy your present. And try to learn to enjoy the people around you. Be hopeful for the future, right? I think that's a good, I think that's a good idea. I think being hopeful for the future is a great plan. But if you can train yourself to not freak out about the future, you will enjoy your present much more. And if you can train yourself to not dwell on the past, you will find a similar result in enjoying being alive right now. Because I'm enjoying being alive right now. Hopefully you're enjoying joining me for this podcast. Um, I think that's all I had on that. I'm going to take a quick break. And hopefully on the back half of this podcast, I'll be back with a very special guest. This is the One Graham Army podcast. Remember, you can join in the conversation by dialing 847-665-9238. 
Hey guys, it's Tony from Pod Caviar. I just want to let you know that Pod Caviar is a great podcast that is available on many uh, major podcast streaming services like iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and uh, Libsyn. This is where conspiracy and current events collide and intelligence and ignorance divide. It's Pod Caviar. Check it out. Check it out. Subscribe now! And we're back. And some unfortunate news for the second half of this episode, no special guest. But I also have no doubt that that person will rematerialize sometime in the near future. And in lieu of the special guest, in lieu of other things, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that you can join in the conversation by calling the One Gram Army hotline at 847-665-9238. But did you know that if you're uncomfortable leaving a voice message... You can DM me on any of my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I look at it not as regularly as I should be, but I was actually surprised to see that someone circumvented the hotline system and went directly to my DMs on Twitter at one underscore gram underscore army and sent me this message. Graham, I've been listening to your podcast since 2016. Sports with a capital F sucked. So far, one gram army sucks a lot less. Now, not to editorialize too much, but I'm, I certainly appreciate this person for having listened for this long and also thank you with a question mark. Moving forward, he says, my girlfriend and I are both 24 and are engaged to be married. We were having dinner with her parents a couple days ago and her father a retired Air Force Master Sergeant wouldn't stop talking about how badly he wants grandchildren. I'm going to put a pin in that real quick, and uh, I'm going to try to remind myself to come back to the retired Air Force Master Sergeant. But anyway, he says uh, that he, in a not-so-subtle way, let it slip that we weren't planning to have kids, we being him and his fiance, obviously. Uh, this did not go over well with her father, who called us irresponsible and selfish and reminded us that the birth rate in the United States is at an all-time low. He kept shouting about the need for the population of the United States to bounce back, and if we weren't careful, our lack of procreation could lead to the end of the American experiment. I have a tremendous amount of respect for her father since he is a veteran, but I was pretty shocked at his reaction to us saying we weren't having kids. Do you think he's justified? Also, has Brandon had any more encounter with encounters with ancient perverts? Mike. Okay, Mike. Well, I'll start with the super easy part. I have not heard from Brandon, and if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I can assure you had he brought any more phenomenal stories to the one gram army hotline you would you would have heard them i'm not sitting on anything and that's definitely a call out to brandon to round out that story for listeners who are unfamiliar with it if you go back to episode 116 of this podcast um it was still the sports with a capital f podcast then but if you're subscribed to the podcast in basically any fashion you can scroll down and all the episodes before the rebrand are still available. And I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that because it's sort of a compilation of a story uh, that this uh, that this listener was relating to. And I encourage you to go back and check that. I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too long because there's so much, so much in this message that I would like to address. Okay, first of all, 
I have noticed that there is some genuine concern from a certain age group of people in this country upon having learned that the birth rate in this country had fallen. Now, to this person who wrote in, go outside. I'm not totally sure where you lived uh, or where you live now, but go outside. And unless you're in one of the most rural areas imaginable, do you think that there aren't enough people? Like as far as the amount of time we spend on this planet as people and as stewards of this planet, I I'm, I don't have anything against people having children. I think people should have kids. Uh, I think some people shouldn't, but some people should, you know, and I think, I think having kids can change people in beneficial ways. Obviously it perpetuates the species. But if you're a person who lives now in a place where wage stagnation and inflation have essentially eviscerated any chance of becoming a functioning member of the middle class, making the decision to not have kids doesn't seem that outrageous to me. I feel like I flew into this like I was going to be like, blah, blah, but that's pretty hypocritical because I have a kid and she's the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. She, sa- she saved my life. Um, but it sounds like you have everything together and you guys have made a conscious decision, which is what I, which to me shouldn't be criticized. It's your lives. If you guys choose to not have children, it's your lives. It shouldn't be that upsetting to this gentleman. And it's, I have no idea what this gentleman did when he served in the military, her father-in-law. But if the criteria for respect is that he's a retired master sergeant from the air force, I just, you know, there are plenty of people who make it to the rank of master sergeant in the air force who aren't just like outstanding, amazing personalities with the most, educated views on everything the air force is a system in which and like i said i don't know maybe he served in a combat role maybe he was pararescue but also maybe he worked at the gym or was in hospitality or you know any number of things that i don't want to say this the wrong way but he wasn't exactly rambo right you're free he's He's not necessarily holding the receipt for your freedom, right? Despite how he may behave now that he's retired. Um, so I, I just don't want that to bother you. That's not a disrespectful statement. I think any realistic person who's served in the Air Force would understand that that's also that that's the case. It's a system in which a man can or a woman could pass three tests and find themselves in charge of hundreds of people and billions of dollars worth of equipment there's there's some smaller tests in the interim like getting through basic training and then surviving tech school and who knows it could have went to a very complicated tech school that lasted a long time he could have went to a tech school that lasted four weeks but if if that's the only criteria let's not dwell on that moving forward um yeah it's your decision you know and i you shouldn't be intimidated by this person's desire to control what you two do with your reproductive organs, especially if she's on board. 
you know, I feel like you have your case is so solid if she's on board because she's the person who would have to have the baby. So I certainly appreciate the message. I apologize if I sort of pounced on the Air Force thing, but I was pretty surprised to see that, especially for like one of the first messages I've received that was coherent enough to read on the podcast. Um, I do. I, I apologize if that came off the wrong way. I don't necessarily apologize on all the incredibly accurate things I had to say about it. All right. To conclude, I want to talk about the One Graham Army Hall of Generals. It existed with Sports with a capital F. It exists now with the One Graham Army. And one of my earliest intentions of that, not only um, to induct Patreon supporters, don't forget patreon.com slash One Graham Army, or people who appear on this podcast with their own beautiful handcrafted avatar and a bio and just basically immortal enshrinement in the one Graham army hall of generals. I didn't just want to offer it to those people. I wanted to begin nominating and enshrining, uh, public figures, uh, sports legends, just even maybe if it's a story in the news, right? We need to begin nominating people for entry into the One Graham Army Hall of Generals because there are a lot of generals out there not being recognized. And my first inductee into the One Graham Army Hall of Generals is former Dodgers manager and baseball general Tommy Lasorda. And you may ask Graham, if you're putting a baseball person into the One Graham Army Hall of Generals to begin this spate of non-directly related inductees, why wouldn't it be someone who played for the Cubs? And the answer to that is, first of all, I just learned about an incident that occurred in the 1980s that ended in one of the most phenomenal press sound bites in the history of baseball. And also Tommy Lasorda's 20-year career from 1976 to 1996, he did a bunch of general stuff. He had a mascot kicked out of a game, not like playfully kicked out. The Expos mascot was on top of the Dodgers dugout behaving ridiculously. And Tommy Lasorda had the third base umpire eject him from the game. And when it looked like he was ejecting him um, in a playful manner, the umpire called for security to have the mascot removed from the game. The mass, he had a mascot kicked out of a game. Another time he had a brush with a mascot. There's a great video on YouTube of Tommy Lasorda assaulting the Philly fanatic with a dummy. The Philly fanatic was carrying of himself. Now that is general's behavior and the icing on the cake is a soundbite beautiful enough to end this episode with. After an incident in 1983 when a Dodgers pitcher plunked a player from the San Diego Padres after having blown a lead the night before and getting blown up in that game, uh, he was fined $500. A Padres player, a Padres player by the name of Beva Aqua expressed the opinion to local press that they ought to find that fat little Italian too. He ordered it. Uh, obviously in reference to Tommy Lasorda. When Tommy Lasorda heard this, his response was what follows. I think that is very, very bad for that man to make an accusation like that. That is terrible. 
I have never, ever, since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a fucking 130 hitter like Lafay or fucking Bavacqua who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. And I guarantee you this, when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a fucking team that had guys on it like Babakwa, I sent a fucking limousine to get the cocksucker to make sure he was in the motherfucking lineup because I kicked that cocksucker's ass any fucking day in a week. He's a fucking motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure after that you all agree with Tommy Lasorda's induction into the one Graham army hall of generals if you have any suggestions hit the hotline 847-665-9238 don't forget you can also text that number or slide into my dms anywhere on social media thank you for listening and good night everyone welcome one Graham. one Graham. welcome to the one Graham army podcast welcome one gram. Welcome. One one gram. Welcome. One one gram. Welcome to the One Gram Army podcast.